Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast, a place where we focus on the business side of art to help you attract more customers, increase profits, and ultimately live a life of creativity and financial freedom. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and this week is a very special solo episode slash a page out of my book, Mural Money. The section is how to attract customers. So once a week, I get an inquiry in my inbox or a direct message on Instagram or Facebook or wherever of somebody saying something like, hi, I'm a new artist trying to get started in the art world and could really use some advice. Could you please let me know how you are able to make money as an artist? How are you doing this full time? How are you finding customers? If you could have any tips for me, I would greatly appreciate it. And (laughs) so not to be mean in any way, but every time I get a message like this, which is pretty often, I kind of chuckle every time because (laughs) I think I'm like, as if I could give anyone a quality answer to that very loaded question in a simple email or quick direct message response. There's so much more to it than any one suggestion I could give. In fact, that's why I started this podcast and wrote an entire book on the subject of getting started in the art world. Also, that book ended up being over 400 pages and a 15-hour long audible because I couldn't stop myself from including the so many variety of different stories and strategies that have worked for me in order to, quote, make it as a full-time artist. And if you're finding yourself asking any version of that question or wanting to, then I highly encourage you to check out my book. It's muralmoney.com. And this episode is a chapter, basically just torn out of the highlights of how you can attract customers, you know, because that's what you want, right? That's why everybody's listening to podcasts and doing the things like you want to know how to make money. You want to know how to get the customers. And also, but for all the artists out there who have already read the book, first off, thank you. It was published almost a year ago. And I think, you know, listening to this one chapter again might help your memory. Just jumpstart it because it was a crazy long book. Like I said, 15 hours. It's a lot. And For me personally, if I find something that I like, I will revisit it every year or every other year because more often than not, I forget the little details and I'm always in a completely different place in a year, you know, compared to the previous year in life and business. And I can think about the subjects in a different way. So for all of you re-readers who are like, yeah, yeah, I read your book already. I hope this is the case for you. Maybe revisit it. It's been a year already. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and for anybody who's just now hearing this for the first time, I want to encourage you to give yourself a holiday present by purchasing the Audible version. I recorded the entire book myself with with highlights that you won't find in the paperback version. Plus, you can listen while you paint. It's a (laughs) win-win. Again, just go to muralmoney.com and you can get the whole book, but this is just a chapter out of it. So I hope you enjoy it and here you go. Chapter 20, How to Attract Customers. I grew up in a very small town and was not born with these connections. So my family name isn't even amongst those of the community leaders. And in fact, people can barely pronounce it correctly, let alone spell it. It's pronounced Heart, by the way. My last name has German roots, but aren't most of us some kind of European mix? Even though I wasn't born with a tribe of connections, I've given in to the strategy of actively 
networking. You know, meeting new people isn't always the most comfortable thing for me, but I have experienced firsthand how it can help my business. You know, we've all heard of the term, it's not what you know, it's who you know. There's some truth to that. To be clear, when I say the term networking, I don't mean that you need to go out and make a bunch of new fake friends to invite to your birthday party. It's more about placing yourself in a room full of other business professionals and simply meeting people. Shake a couple hands with no expectations for an immediate return. You know, networking doesn't mean selling either. You know, it's more about connecting to figure out if you can help one another in a very low stress environment. I can hear artists in my head being like, no, meeting people, what? I just want to stay in my studio. Girl, same. You know, but often the people I meet end up giving me advice or recommending me to others who could use my services. It's not a direct sale, but rather a mutually beneficial interaction. So it's mutual for you and them. To be completely open, the thought of having a meaningless conversation with a stranger sounds absolutely terrible to me. And then one day I changed my mindset about networking. I realized I don't need to talk about the weather when I meet people. I can ask them anything I want. It's my choice to steer the conversation wherever I want it to go. I swear I had this like realization one day. I'm like, wait a second. I'm in control. Yeah, I'm in control. So now when I'm meeting a fellow, maybe small business owner, I get to the point and I ask them the things that I'm genuinely curious about, just going way past all the weather conversation and going straight to the point. And like after they explain what they do, I'll ask something like, how do you get new customers? What is your schedule like? Do you work the typical eight hours a day, five days a week, or do you have maybe a different type of schedule? As business owners, we control everything we do, you know, from the supplies we buy to the hours we work and the amount we charge. We're in control of it. (laughs) And I'm genuinely curious about what others choose and why. Sometimes hearing how other people choose to grow and manage their business will positively influence my decisions for my own art business. And I was talking with a customer one day and we started off with a typical meaningless introductory conversation about nothing. And then remembering that I was in control and not a victim of small talk, I switched gears rather quickly. You know, I started asking him questions that I found interesting. And he let me know that he only takes on one project per week. You know, whether that project took up a whole week or just a few days, that was his routine. He explained further that he sometimes works weekends to finish jobs and other times he gets a five-day weekend. It just depends. I was also shocked at his nonchalant demeanor about his scheduling. You know, at the time I was booking myself to paint six days a week to try and make as much money as I could before the slow season hit. And he didn't seem to care about the feast or famine waves that came with the industry. Looking back, he had probably been a carpenter for so long that he had 
probably experienced the best and the worst already. You know, he didn't seem phased by anything. That carpenter also let me know that the majority of his customers come from one well-connected real estate agent who refers all of her buyers and sellers to him. These customers are often in need of custom cabinetry and he's perfect for the job. I asked for her name and I looked her up on social media immediately. (laughs) I followed the real estate agent's business page and I sent her a quick message to connect. This is networking. (laughs) I was networking with the carpenter and through our conversation, I grew my network to include a real estate agent. (laughs) You can either be a well-connected person or just get to know someone who is well-connected. I recommend a little of both, but quickly jot down a couple questions that you might want to bring up in a future networking opportunity because if you're like me, my brain goes blank and conversations easily die because I don't know what to say. It's I just freeze and this awkward silence takes over. So to help that, I keep a few questions in my back pocket to bring up when chatting with other business professionals. You know, aside from the main ones I already mentioned above, I'll ask something like, how long did it take you to grow your business from say startup to full-time? And I might even add like, why did you choose to be this profession? You know, were you, have you always wanted to do this? Or, you know, did, how did you fall into this? Do you have anyone helping you? Or, you know, how did you find them? And what do they do if you do hire people? Do you advertise? If so, what's your advertising budget for marketing? Have you had anything exciting happen in your business lately? How did that come about? When you ask people about what makes them excited, that typically steers the conversation from somewhere boring to, you know, their excitement bleeds into you and then you can tell them about yours. And it's just ask somebody what they're excited about lately and watch the conversation take a turn. Big tip. I hold back my money-related questions until I can get a feel on how open they are about their business. You know, a lot of people find it intrusive if I ask their hourly rate, but I don't mean it to be disrespectful when I want to ask. I'm just curious about how someone values their time and what the industry standard for each profession is. But ask a lawyer or a seasoned accountant about what their hourly rate is and their answers will blow your mind. (laughs) I once asked a general contractor out in Colorado what he pays his painters who just roll on basic colors on the walls. And he told me he pays them $50 an hour. I was shocked. (laughs) At the time, this was close to what I was making to design and paint intricate murals. I had taken classes and spent hours practicing to develop this skill to make $50 an hour, yet here someone was paying the same rate for the most basic painting needs. And I'm not knocking basic painters. We need them too. However, this conversation helped me realize that I could definitely be charging more for my services. See, networking is not just about selling or being hired. You know, meeting new people with the goal of simply exchanging information is a great way to go about it. I would recommend connecting to B2B or business-to-business groups for a really solid networking opportunity as well. You know, there's no fakeness amongst B2B networks because they're all business professionals wanting to get to know each other in business. And you can Google, just Google B2B in your area, and you could go attend any kind of group event. 
it would be even better if you could present at one of those groups to tell your story, share social media tips, or even showcase your skills, whatever you can bring to the table, maybe raise your hand and say that, hey, I'd like to present, you know, this might be more of an advanced thing, but just keep in mind for the future. I've presented at a few local B2B groups and have gotten at least one lead every single time. You know, I'm not a natural public speaker, but I suck it up for the betterment of my business. You know, having a beer can help calm my nerves. Sometimes that helps. (laughs) I partied a lot in college. And so to the point that my parents, you know, being, they were concerned if I would ever quote, settle down a little, you know, I would often tell my dad, don't worry, I'm just networking. (laughs) Who knew that it would actually pay off in an unexpected way? Some of the bar owners and friends that I had going out with, they hire me nowadays. So it works. (laughs) Just getting out and meeting people. I remember seeing artists landing large mural jobs or selling canvases like to big time customers and thinking, How the heck did they get connected with that? Pitching, word of mouth, social media, advertising, and networking are the top ways to get that done. However, if you're determined to avoid meeting new people to expand your network, then you're in luck. This chapter is all about ways to intentionally attract new businesses or customers without needing to be extremely sociable. Thumbtack. Have you thought about trying out the different networking apps designed to assist creatives in getting jobs? These apps are different from social media because they don't require you to build a following or to gain customer attention. Rich Marks, a muralist from Arizona, first introduced me to the app called Thumbtack. While we were on a live interview together, he informed me that he gets the majority of his mural jobs from this app which can easily be downloaded on your phone's app store. There's a regular desktop version as well too, but when I asked Rich about some of the benefits he's experienced from using Thumbtack, he said, it has been a great way to supplement my income and you can get some really big jobs from it. I have gotten many well-paying gigs and the one that stands out the most is this one from 2016 that paid $29,000. That's three zeros at the end of that. (laughs) The customer only chose three of us from the bidding process and then had us present ideas to choose who he wanted to hire. It was a 13 by 80 foot mural for a prominent company in Boulder, Colorado. I don't say that to brag. I was just super excited to get the job, he said. (laughs) Thumbtack is basically a search engine where creative contractors offer their services. Unlike Pinterest, users may pay to appear on the site. An artist or even a carpenter can go to Thumbtack and set up a profile advertising their local expertise. People in the area seeking those services find contractors to fit their needs through searching for them on this app. Thumbtack makes it easy for your ideal customers to find you. In return for this valuable service, you also have to pay for leads. But hey, paying for ads and other marketing tools that requires a little bit of money up front isn't necessarily a bad thing if you are consistent. On the other hand, paying for leads and then giving up isn't cost effective and it'll only make you resent the app that make you pay for your services, but it takes time and practice to set up a profile, gain some reviews, and be quick to respond when a customer reaches out. However, if you're persistent, you will eventually make that money back. Just add the extra cost onto your bid. 
Thumbtack is the number one way Rich Marks has acquired new customers, and many of those have become repeat customers. You can hear more about how Rich is using the app on episode 59 of the Artist Academy podcast found at muralmoney.com. There are a number of networking apps and websites out there like Thumbtack. You know, Etsy could be categorized in this section as well. So just find out which app is most widely used in your area and start using it. Live painting at events. Aside from social media, a proven way to get your name out there is to put yourself in a room where there are a lot of people but hardly any other artists. This is a route that I have taken in a variety of locations and it works just about every time. Rather than being in a gallery amongst other artists and competition, you know, placing yourself as the only artist in the room draws all of the attention to your artwork. Where art galleries, they have many artists work lining the walls. You know, some of these other events will get you more views with less effort because you will be the center of attention. Events such as weddings, holiday parties, or anywhere people gather to have a good time can count. Painting at charity events is a fantastic way to onboard new customers who are willing to pay handsomely for your services. Every charity has a holiday banquet or some kind of yearly event gathering where these events, you know, they're meant to raise money for their chosen cause, you know, reach out to a charity to see if you can contribute. I've painted live at several different charities in our local area, and all you have to do is contact the charity and ask for the event coordinator. Most will be thrilled by your inquiry. My husband and I do a lot of work with Big Brothers Big Sisters, which is a nonprofit organization designed to help at-risk children navigate through their adolescent years. And each year I paint live in a room of people at their annual fundraising event. Normally, I'm placed in a high-traffic area where I can embellish a print while people stop to view my artwork. I offer to hand-embellish a print rather than to complete a full painting at the event for a couple of reasons. One, painting at the beginning and the middle faces of completion are often not very fun to look at. (laughs) More often than not, those phases of painting look more like a complete mess, so... I just avoid it. We'll skip to the end. (laughs) And two, bringing a mostly finished or completed painting to the site gives me more free time to talk to people who are passing by, you know, strike up conversations and pass out my contact card. I never hide the fact that it is a hand embellished print and people don't care most of the time. Have your business cards handy and ready to go as you are painting and adding final touches to your art. You know, if someone at the event is really interested in hiring you, the best thing you can do is give them your information. However, more importantly, get their contact information. You know, by giving someone your business card, you have a 50-50 chance or less of them actually reaching back out to you. However, if you get their contact information, you can reach out later and up your chances of landing that job. I'll take 100% chance over 50-50 any day. A new way I found to share information is to exchange digital contact cards. To find out more about what this is, go to the contact section of your iPhone. Um, I know that it's on iPhone, I'm not sure of all of the other phones out there. But if you have an iPhone, at the top of that list in your contacts, you'll see your own contact card full of information. You can add your photo, your phone number, your address. I mean, I obviously don't recommend sharing like your home address, but you can put like your city, um, but you can put your website, your social media links or anything else that you want to store for easy viewing. 
I simply ask a potential customer to give me their number so that I can send them my contact card. They get all of my information and I get their phone number to check back with them later. It's a win-win. That's a 100% chance of me being able to reach out where it rather is a, eh, I don't know if they're gonna reach out. I don't know. Like it's in my court. You know, the charity events I'm referring to have food donated and the cooks are volunteering their time as well. You know, in addition, the centerpieces are donated often from a flower shop and they even have volunteer waiters and waitresses who are typically students in the area gaining volunteer hours. You know, the wine is donated by local liquor companies. The auctioneer is a volunteer and everyone is coming together to do their part to make this event a success. I say this because I just want to emphasize art isn't the only thing for free or low cost at these specific events that I'm referring to. I don't have experience attending lavish charity events in like LA or wherever they are, not in the Midwest, (laughs) where they have a really large budget for high-end art. Although organizations like that are out there, the charities or nonprofits I work with are, they're taking what they can get. I know this because my husband is on the board of directors for Big Brothers Big Sisters, and so he's involved in a lot of the planning. But I do not recommend donating original art to charities unless you are being compensated. One major reason why is because the IRS laws are not in our favor in this specific subject. If I donate a $1,000 painting to a charity, I can't write off $1,000 on my taxes. You know, I'm able to only write off the supplies used to create the artwork, which is, you know, which be canvas and paint because that has a receipt. You know, we're better off giving cash donations or a check donation because the IRS is pretty fond of traceable money. Art is harder for them to value and trace. That'd be like, like for instance, like I could easily say that painting is worth $10,000 and then I get to write off $10,000. They're like, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't value your own art. Give us a receipt. So I recommend donating a print of your work to hand embellish because that print has a receipt that I can then turn in and write off. In your pitch, it is also possible to get your costs paid for. So it's not only the time donation, you know, sometimes, oftentimes, and I recommend for you to ask the charity to reimburse and you can just pass the receipt on to them. I hand embellish the print and they keep the profits. So it's a pretty good deal because they're always coming out on top. You know, they're paying a little bit up front and then, but overall they're making more and I'm not out anything other than my time, but the time I'm spending is getting to be used to network. I know artists who split the donation with charities. You know, if the painting sells for $1,000 and the charity gets 500 and the artist gets 500, it's your business. You can do whatever you want with it. You know, the charity will be happy with any donation they receive. If charities are asking you to simply donate an art piece without the live painting aspect, I would charge them. So after all, I mean, your business won't get much attention if you simply donate without attending a live event and being that center of attention. That's what we're going for. You know, in these cases, I give charities a heavy discount, but I make sure that I profit something as well. Or it can get exhausting giving away art for free. And the term free is not often associated with a smart way to run a business. And that's what we are. We're an art business. 
So while painting at an event, people are bound to stop by and inquire about who you are and what you do. This is a great networking opportunity. Yes, I know it requires you to be kind of social, but people are coming up to you. So painting and creating for a living fascinates people. And they often want to know more about what we do and how we do it. So I want to challenge you to push yourself to paint in public somewhere. You know, it may feel strange or invasive at first, but you'll get used to it. You may even grow to love the attention once you can see the results of that. Any event that doesn't have another artist present is your chance to shine and stand out. Customers aren't going to wander into your home studio to watch you paint or buy your stuff. You have to branch out and allow them to see what you're doing and they can see how much you love doing it. And it's a great way to get your foot in the door and make some connections while helping charities. You know, Window painting. I think window paintings are a wonderful starting point if you are interested in entering the mural niche of the art industry. They are often quick and simple projects that show off your painting skills while also being larger in size, similar to murals. It's much easier to get someone to agree to a window painting than it is a mural because they are typically cheaper and temporary. If you are feeling uneasy about pitching mural ideas to businesses, try pitching window painting ideas instead. If they like your work, I'm going to bet those businesses will reach out to you if they ever want a mural painted on the inside or outside of their building. Getting your foot in the door is the key. I'm just going to repeat that over and over. Window painting is typically a seasonal service, you know, so to play on the holiday spirit, I've been known to dress up as an elf while I'm painting or wear like a big red bow or, you know, I'll take any excuse to dress up, but showing your skills around the holidays will give people the idea to order more paintings and prints from you as gifts as well. It all works together. You can look at a window painting as a way to paint something easy, get paid decently, and give businesses a sample of your work. Once someone becomes a window painting customer for the holidays, they are more likely to be a return customer for future seasonal work. For example, a woman reached out to me to paint her business windows for Christmas. Then she returned to hire me for Valentine's Day windows and even springtime windows with fun flowers. And while murals are typically a one-time purchase from a client, window paintings have the potential to become repeat seasonal work. This is huge. Window paintings will continue to add up for years and years. You can create vastly different images from season to season, and you can create the same images in different ways. You know, closing a deal with a window art customer can mean guaranteed work for your future. And who doesn't love job security? Every year, I have more and more window art customers, and I'm now to the point of almost being completely booked out for the month of November before I go searching for any new projects. Because past customers ask me to come back, and new customers see me creating and decide to join in on the holiday fun. (laughs) I wish I had discovered window painting much sooner in my career. You know, if someone would have told me earlier that I could simply pass around a flyer, advertising my skills and be booked out for weeks with window painting, (laughs) I would have been all over that. You know, I didn't know that window painting was a thing and that it could be extremely profitable for my business until years into my career. (laughs) You know, it's not uncommon for me to make 
$150 to $200 per hour now by simply painting an all-white winter wonderland scene like all around town. And everybody kind of wants the same thing too. So you just, with repetition, it gets easier. And on average, you know, maybe one out of 10 businesses will say yes when you approach them with a solid window of art pitch in the beginning. And that's pretty good odds because you only need one customer to say yes to get started. That one customer will turn into two and three in the next coming years. You know, eventually you'll have more window art business than you can handle, like me. (laughs) I'm so passionate about this window painting thing, especially because it leads into mural jobs that I now teach my students how to paint the winter scenes, you know, ways to remove paint from the windows and everything else they needed to know to get started. A lot of my inspiration comes from the master window artist himself, Scott Campbell. Have you heard of him? Scott made a full career out of just painting windows. You know, he focused on windows year round and recently retired from his profession. But you can hear more about Scott's story and get way more window art tips by listening to episode 125 of the Artist Academy podcast found at muralmoney.com art, craft, and home shows. Let's talk about the idea of art shows first. So this is a great avenue to sell your art items, including prints and originals. So my town has this monthly event called First Friday Art Walk, and I've attended a handful of times, especially when I was just starting out and dipping my toes into the art world. I never got extremely into art shows, but I know a few artists who have profited from it. Artist Academy members and friends, artists Lissa Wynn and Sam Weeman are both Florida-based artists who gave me the lowdown on art shows, craft shows, and even festivals. During my conversation with them about the topic, they relayed a ton of helpful tips, like art show entry fees can range from free to hundreds of dollars. So It really just depends, but some have few regulations to enter and others require artists to submit to an art jury to be selected. You'll need supplies for most of them, such as a tent and weights to hold down your tent, adjustable walls, signage, and pricing labels. It's kind of a big investment up up front if you want to do these like big art and craft shows, but it could pay out in the end. You know, some shows have strict rules such as, you know, text size, colors, restrictions against handwritten signs. Uh, Your tent has to be white. It cannot be any other color in some of these art shows, but those are the fancier ones. You know, follow the rules or you won't be asked to come back. Sam warns. (laughs) Having a variety of artwork at different price points is also a good idea. You know, when I would participate in the First Friday Art Walks, my $10 and under items would sell pretty quickly while my more expensive 100 plus items would often be untouched. But it's not like that for everyone. You know, and I only did a couple of them in a free show. So without a tent, like there was no like rules at the first Friday art walk. It was just, ah, you show up and you sell your stuff. So that, that could be a big factor. But I pulled a handful of other artists about their experiences and almost every single one of them explains that sales are hit and miss. Their profits range from nothing to around $500 to $800 per show. You know, some have had great success making $8,000, $10,000 plus in just one weekend. It just depends on the show. For maximum earnings, choose a show that fits your niche and target market. 
Some artists have warned against staying up late, making inventory the night before the event. You know, it's best if you stock up before the show to keep yourself from getting burnt out. And more than once, I've heard the advice of don't get drunk at the shows. <laughs> I'm sure there's a story somewhere behind that advice, but I'm not sure what it is. If you get serious about wanting to try out art shows, then head to where the shows are com and sign up. There's a fee of about $50 each year, but the site gives you all of the information that you could possibly need. The site will help you find the right show for you, and it provides tips on how to prepare for certain events. So the rules and regulations and all the fun stuff. So for some artists, this is all they do to earn money. I've met artists who own a van and they're living that traveler life all over the country, regularly attending art shows. Some people swear that that's the only way to make money as an artist. Like they're set on it. You know, this method can work if like everything else, you put some effort into it. If you attend a show, you know, make sure you put a bucket out where potential customers can drop their email addresses. Sam has a bucket labeled, would you like a custom pet portrait? Drop your email here. Well, that's how she gets the majority of her commission work easy. <laughs> While we are on the subject of emails, this method is one of the best strategies for selling both prints and originals. I highly recommend that all commission artists start an email list. But before I discuss this piece of advice anymore, you know, I have to admit that I don't use email lists to advertise my murals. Hear me out. I primarily paint big murals and logos for businesses. Well, those business owners probably don't want to receive an email newsletter from me about print sales. However, every single time I need to send out a direct notification to my audience about my print promotions, I use my email list to notify the right customers. You know, similar to emails, I think direct message marketing is the future. You know, this includes direct messages on social media and even text messages. Hear me out. Like in 10 years, that's going to be the main thing. So if you're thinking about signing up for an art show, I recommend first attending one. This will allow you to get a feel of the atmosphere and observe how other artists set up their booths. It'll also make you less nervous than if you just went into it blind. I'm sure you know by now, I'm more fond of the strategies that don't involve me being clumped in with other artists. That's just not the route that I've really taken. But home shows are an example of an event where you can sign up for one and it won't make you feel as if you are competing with other artists or craftsmen. You know, have you heard of a home show? Don't worry. I didn't know about them either until I was well into my art career. Home shows are events where business owners and brands can come together to show off their trending products and services within the homeowner category. So typically home shows include like home improvement exhibits such as flooring, carpeting, paint, furniture, and everything else that someone would consider when remodeling or building a home. Home shows are a great place for artists to showcase their artwork and market themselves towards people who are looking to remodel. Home shows are great places for artists to showcase their work and market themselves. Murals, prints, faux finishing, and even selling original artwork can fit into this category. People need paint to make their homes unique, whether it's on a canvas or on the wall or whatever, you know. But unfortunately, signing up to be featured in a home show can cost quite a bit of money. And from what I've heard, they often charge businesses 
a few hundred dollars or more just to be able to show off their products and services. However, you could consider home shows to be an investment for your business because they almost guarantee at least one client. I mean, if you put your best foot forward, you're going to get something from this. You know, I only recommend this after you have some work under your belt and have a strong product to showcase. People who go to home shows are used to paying for luxuries like arts, which is what makes these events worth the enrollment fee. I haven't personally tried this tactic. I'm just really behind it, but I know many artists who have had success with it. So if you want to hear more about this, go listen to episode 166 of the Artist Academy podcast with Michael Beninga for more information on how to apply and prepare for a home show. Connect with interior designers. Getting to know the interior designers in your area will help you meet higher paying clients looking to revamp their living or office spaces. I was introduced to a popular interior designer early on in my art career, and just from knowing her, I ended up gaining one of my most profitable clients. She recommended me to a customer who, at first, just wanted his existing structures to look a little bit more expensive. So I brought over gold, silver, and bronze paint and touched up his statues, his benches, some cabinets, and whatever else needed to be painted. I took basic items and transformed them to look more like high-end antiques. (laughs) This customer was so pleased with my work that we later painted multiple projects around his home, totaling a bit over 20 grand in one year. Typically, if someone is willing to hire an interior designer for their home, they probably have available funds to spend on artwork too, so we can work hand in hand. (laughs) These clients are looking for high-end experiences and would like to hire someone to create custom art for them. Custom is the word. Even though it is more expensive, they would prefer original work to generic store-bought art most of the time. I was lucky enough to meet this interior designer through Ryan, my husband. He introduced me. And if you do not personally know an interior designer, you can reach out to friends and family to see if they know someone, you know, start with who you know. And if they do, check to see if they would be willing to introduce you. Using your connections is much more effective than shooting in the dark and making cold calls at first. Another way to get the attention of an interior designer is to join a local association. In Springfield, ours is called the Springfield Design Association. (laughs) Pretty common, okay? Your city probably has one that is similar. Just Google it. Again, Google is your friend. (laughs) I'm sure there is a fee to join, but I think mine is like $200 for the year, which is a lot, but I think it's more of a quality tactic, but consider this as an investment to grow your business, just like Thumbtack. You know, it may be a necessary evil to pay a few fees to gain some promising leads. If you decide to join an interior design association, I would like you to encourage you to attend their meetings and events to show off your skills and art samples, just like networking events. This is one example of that. And speak to them about the benefits of working with an artist and tell them more about what you can bring to the table. Interior designers are always looking for new and innovative ways to decorate. Why not encourage them to choose your paintings or murals for their upcoming projects and customers? Under construction, Sean Fitzwater is an artist who specializes in signs and murals, two things I love. So he let me in on a trick to generating new business. So I was interviewing him for my podcast and he shared a story with me that has stuck with me 
ever since. At the beginning of his art career, Sean would drive around Birmingham, Alabama, looking for places under construction. Once he found one, he would pop in to introduce himself and pitch his services. New construction buildings often need new logos painted and artwork added and even like signs created. If they hadn't found someone to create this for them yet, Sean was there to make the job easier. His success rate was pretty high. What is more impressive about Sean's story is that he was driving for Lyft the year he began painting murals. Since those driving jobs have automatic payouts, he would have just enough money to purchase food for his family each night. So he would take the Lyft payout and directly transfer that money into a family dinner. They were barely making it by. Sean continued to use his scrappiness to pitch his services and really fight for the jobs that he deserved. In our interview, he said, I realized nobody was going to hand me anything. I needed to go out and get it. So after a couple of scrappy years, Sean is now able to relax a bit more due to the power of word of mouth, but it started with him being really scrappy. Sean later shared a photo with me that displayed a handful of checks spread out in his hand. He had just picked up a number of deposits that totaled more than 10 grand. These were merely deposits. Knowing how open I am about the subject of money, he said, I can't share this with many people, but I knew you would celebrate with me. And I definitely did. (laughs) We have been known to share our successes with many logo projects like through DMs on Instagram. And both of us had agreed that some of our favorite inquiries are businesses who want giant logos painted on their wall. Sean explained his rationale further when he said, I think painting logos is the most overlooked way of breaking into the field of being a muralist. I credit painting logos to everything I've done to this day. It has helped me progress, meet new people, and get tons more work. Yes, (laughs) I agree. As you know, I also got my start painting logos and believe that it's a big reason why I'm able to stay so steady with jobs constantly coming my way. You know, businesses will pay good money for a perfectly painted logo. To add to that, not having to mess with the sketching process of figuring out a cohesive design really just gives me relief. And Sean too, you know, receiving a logo from a customer that is already meticulously designed takes the designing work off of our shoulders. Painting logos feels like a paint by numbers task. You know, I can pop in a good art podcast or audiobook, you know, or business book or whatever to learn about and be entertained as I make easy money painting a logo. <laughs> Later, Sean shared with me how October was a $20,000 month for him. Sean explained, Never in a lifetime would you have convinced me that I would later become my own boss one day. I also would not have been convinced that I would be making $20,000 a month as a professional artist or really doing anything. And I started all of this when I was 40 years old without ever taking an art class. Instead, I just drew when I was bored in my younger years. And if I can do it, anyone can do it. Ah. Yay, Sean. (laughs) You can listen to more of Sean's story on episode 134 of the Artist Academy podcast found at muralmoney.com. 